I want to share some things with you, some thoughts uh, today, and you know I'm going to be talking to you in some uh, way about Jesus, who he is, and what he's done, and how amazing he is. Jesus is just so amazing to me. I know you've met people in your life that you thought, boy, this is one of my most, or my most unforgettable person. You know, you met somebody who just really uh, just impacted your life, and that's how Jesus is with me. I um, I can remember all of my life, um, quote, loving him like Peter did. You know, I, I loved him with the Peter love, you know, the kind of love that just doesn't go all the way. But then one day I, I really just fell in love with Jesus. And I wanted to share, because we were, we were sharing in John chapter 6, um, and I thought I loved sharing with you from John chapter 6, but I wanted to uh, go to chapter 8, where there are a lot of the things that Jesus did and, uh, and spoke in John 6 are also reiterated in chapter 8 in some form. But I thought, how do you go, uh, you know, if you've been in public school, you don't go when you're counting from 6 to 8. You have to go to 7. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about John chapter 7 today. And my subject is, could this be the Christ? And we start out with the unbelief of his brothers. It's just mind-blowing here, the unbelief of his brothers. So let's look at John chapter 7. We'll begin in verse 1. It says, verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. So this is a long gap, you know. Uh, you've heard in, in biblical teachings about the gap theory. But this is a long gap because chapter 6 was about Passover. And so now it, we're starting uh, at Tabernacles, which is about six months later. So what John is doing, he's actually speaking topically. He is actually giving you some understanding about various things that Jesus did. He wants you to get to know Jesus like he knew Jesus. See, at the, at the Last Supper, or before Jesus' passion, you know that he, they were at the table eating, and uh, they were eating the Passover. And Jesus said to them, uh, one of you will betray me tonight. Remember that story? One of you will betray me tonight. And ele- uh, uh, 11 of the disciples asked, is it I? And John is the only one who wanted to know who is he. And so that, that says a lot about John's relationship and John's love for Jesus. And uh, so here John is now... He has left Passover, which was six months, I mean, Passover, which was six months before, and now he is at Tabernacles. And he said, in verse 3 says, His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. So Jesus' brothers were, were almost contemptible, I would say, in this particular case. Uh, they, they didn't believe in him. They, they, they didn't marvel at the amazing things that he did. They, they were just like the crowds. And it's, it's amazing to me. It is said that familiarity breeds contempt, but not with everyone, only with the undiscerning. Familiarity only breeds contempt with the undiscerning. When you don't know who is in the midst of you, that is a sad thing. So Jesus' brothers at this point were more influenced by the world around them than they were about God in the house with them. 
they were more influenced by the world around them than they were by the God who was in the house with them. And when you talk about influence, and I, I think about influence, I think about something that flows into, or you could say they, they were influenced by the world. The world was flowing into them when they had access to the God-man. And, and I ask myself, it's wonderful to read the story, but I ask myself, what does that say about us? What does that say about us? Are we more informed by culture than Christ is a question that we must all answer. And, and you will know the answer by your actions. What do you do? What do you say? How do you comport yourself? That's when you know that you have been influenced more by culture than Christ. And so they were influenced. There was power to produce actions on them. When they had Jesus in there, who was obviously always doing something amazing, but and they did not recognize, brother is, is different than we are. You know, we don't act like brother. So I think that if, or since Jesus is within us, we then ought to have some kind of actions that, that, that say, Jesus lives within me. They didn't have that at that point. So, so they, they said, um, they were saying, go show yourself, put on a public display. Let everybody know who you think you are. They were contemptible. Verse 5 says, for his brothers did not believe in him. So John says this as a parenthetical statement. It's a statement explaining their acts and actions. He says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. Although he had done all these amazing miracles, his brothers did not believe in him. Remember, actually, one time they, they went to Capernaum, and they were trying to get him out. They thought, he's gone mad. Now, how can you go mad doing all these great miracles? I remember one time my pastor used to say, well, he didn't one time. He said a lot of times. He would say, sometimes people think that we Christians are crazy. He said, he said but... I have never seen people who have lost their minds all doing the same thing at the same time. So even his brothers did not believe him. In John chapter 1, verse 10, you don't have to go there on the screen, but John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, he says, he was in the world, Jesus was, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. His brothers owed their existence to him, and they did not recognize him. So those who were, as it were, if we could say, in the church were acting like those who were out of the church because Jesus was in the house with them, and they had no clue. They were just as bad as those outside the house. So you can never go outside the influence of God. And so we want to make sure that we don't ever think, that oh, I'm outside the watchful eye of God. My dad used to sing, and I always like to add, dad couldn't sing very well. And uh, But as a little boy, I wanted to be like my dad. So I was, dad was a bit awkward when he would stomp his foot or clap his hand. It was offbeat, kind of like Steve Martin almost. And, um, and and so I was trying to do the same as dad. And I I have to watch watch my wife a lot of times. If she's clapping, I'll wait and get on right, or, or some of you. But... These people were more influenced by, by something outside 
And we have to be very careful. The scripture says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. So you see it. Those who were in the house didn't receive him and those who were outside didn't didn't receive him. So just because you're in the house doesn't mean you're of the house. And you have to be careful. Take an examination of yourself. So it's so interesting that that parenthetical statement says even his brothers did not believe in him. Verse 6 says, then Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. If you were to read this without the parenthesis, these were my own parenthesis, I placed them there. But in verse 5, verse 4, he says, For no one, the brothers are saying these, these things, for no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. So because of what they thought, they thought Jesus was thinking that. Okay, they thought he ought to be doing this if he's really who he says he is. And maybe if he is the Messiah, we'd get some special privileges. But we don't believe him. Wow. Now listen to what he says. After he says that, he says, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. So Jesus gave them a, a, a very plausible explanation. But they didn't grasp it because at that point, though they were living in the house with God, they were not God, of God. They were not of God. Now listen to what he says. My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. So Jesus made a, a distinction between those who are following the Spirit and those who are not. This is just amazing to me. So he says that people who don't follow the Spirit, any time is good for them. But if you're following God, you must do it at God's set time. And so Jesus uh, was not of the world. Jesus' mission was to only do what the Father instructed him to do. I always laugh whenever I say things like this. I always laugh because one time Brother Stan and I were talking, and I was, you know, you know, waxing eloquent, I thought, and I made some comment. Well, you know, people say that Jesus' uh, mother instructed him to make the, uh, to do something about the wine and make the water in the wine, and I don't believe it because Jesus only did what his daddy told him. He only did what his father told him. Brother Stan said, well, I look at it like this. God said, hey, son, listen to your mama. (laughs) I always laugh when I think about that. So Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. Uh, In um, John chapter 2, verse 4, when Jesus was with the woman at the well, uh, he says, woman, uh, I'm sorry, not the woman at the well, that's John chapter 4. John chapter 2 is the wedding in Cana. And when he said, when Mary told him, hey, uh, you've got to do something. They've run out of wine. Jesus said, woman. It's like saying, hey, mom. He says, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And so we find out the father says, okay, listen to your mother. In John chapter 7, this verse chapter I'm reading from, chapter 30, the scripture says, so they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid hand, a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. So we tell you that Jesus was on a a schedule, on a time clock, but he only did what was right at the time. So often as Christians, we'll say, well, why aren't they doing something? Why aren't the leadership doing something? Why are they letting that go on? Well, it's probably not the time. Right. And sometimes even as Christians, we look at the mess that the world is in and we look at the mess our country's in and we go, why, why doesn't the pastors do something? Maybe it's just not yet the time. Maybe it's not yet the time. We will wait on that time. 
Look at verse 7 of John 7, chapter 7. The world cannot hate you, Jesus says, but it hates me. What a statement. Jesus says the world cannot hate you. Why couldn't the world hate them? Because they were part of it. They were part of the wrong thinking. They were part of the wrong doing. He says the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I testify of it that its works are evil. So you see, Jesus was on a mission. He had to do, and he was duty-bound to do only what God the Father told him to do. Now, I would like to say all of us here should determine we will only do what God tells us to do. We will only say what he tells us to say. And I think if we were on, would only speak what God told us to speak, we'd have a lot less problems. We'd have a lot fewer uh, controversies. We, we, we would have wonderful homes and uh, communities if we did like Jesus. Our problem is, even though we go to church, we want to say what we're thinking. Right? We want to say what we are thinking. And Jesus' brothers were the same way. Living in the house with God. Saying what they wanted to say. Now, I hope somebody's convicted here today. I hope someone is convicted. Is that the way you live your life? In John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, uh, uh, Scripture reads, For everyone practicing evil hates the light. And does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So you find out that that Jesus, uh, these people hated Jesus because he was the light. So rather than repenting of their darkness, they just double down on their hypocrisy and their wrong. They never repented. They knew they were wrong, but they never repented. Have you ever, ever had someone to say something to you? You knew it was the truth, but you were so stubborn, you wouldn't yield. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is you in the Bible I'm reading about. So you have to say, okay, God, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to yield. I, I will show, I will show that uh, I believe that you are who you say you are. You are who you say you are. In verse 8, Jesus said to his his, uh, uh, brothers, you go up to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. So the the brothers wanted to go up because they wanted a, a, a grand display. But Jesus says, no, you go up. My time has not yet fully come. Verse 9 says, when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. His brothers wanted to to show uh, 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 Jesus off with some kind of undeniable uh, exhibition to the world. They they wanted him to just to show that you are this God man. God's ways are not our ways, right? His ways are not our ways. Uh, And our thoughts are not God's thoughts. He doesn't do the the things the way man would do them. He just doesn't. So when you find yourself going counter to where the way your friends are going, don't feel like you're going in the wrong direction. They're going in the wrong direction. God doesn't do things the way man does things. And unrepentant men do not do the things the way God does them. So when somebody judges you by their particular logic, do not feel condemned. Listen to what happened here. They wanted him to show himself. 
in some type of undeniable way to the world. Uh, but the Father's way was not that way. His way was not a public display. The devil, remember, the devil said, oh, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You know, have, let's have a big display. Oh, let's, uh, let me take you to the temple. Oh, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will give his angels charge over you. So that's the devil's way. So a big display. You know, promote yourself. Have a great marketing plan. Win people through marketing, not through the cross. That's not God's way. God's way was the cross. God's way was the cross. The cross was God's public display. And what is that on the cross? Uh, A bloody man, bruised, and dying for sins he hadn't committed. That's God's way. God's ways, God's ways are not our ways. But they ought to be. In verse 10, it says, but when his brothers had gone up. Isn't it it's terrible that, that your brothers are, are an obstacle? You know, I don't want to be an obstacle to anybody. But sometimes we brothers are an obstacle. We're an obstacle to those who are really doing the will of God. Because we always have opinions and views that are not from God. They're from ourselves they're from culture they are from the society around us every place but not God but Jesus was only uh, moved by that which came from God well that should be our our, our uh, desire as well is to be moved by only that which comes from God I love Jesus so amazing so amazing I, I love him so much do you love Jesus Amen. yeah You know, when you, when you really are honest with yourself and you think about who you are and how you've been, uh, you've got to say something like, anybody who could forgive me must be God. Right? Yeah, anybody who could forgive me must be God. Let's look at verse 10. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret, because God did not want that display, a public display showing off, showing off. That's why Jesus never threw himself down from the temple to prove that he was God. No, never showing off. And then he says in verse 11, then the Jews, when the Bible says then the Jews, it's not talking about the, just the rank and file, but it's talking about generally the Jewish leaders because everybody was Jewish there, right? And so he says, then uh, the Jews or the Jewish leaders sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, he is good. Others said, no. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews or the Jewish leaders. They didn't because there was a great controversy about Jesus. Haven't you noticed that? Maybe that's, I think we can say that's God's way. Because look at, even today, there's great controversy about Jesus. There's great controversy. I, I was um, I was invited to my wife and I actually la- uh, last week to pray at the mayor's function of the July 4th celebration, and we went down there. And I've always said to our congregation that if you if you are invited to pray publicly, 
and you don't mention the name of Jesus, I'm going to call you on the carpet. I'm going to let everybody know you are a scaredy cat. You know, I, I've said that. So when I was going down there, I was, I thought about that. I said, God, you know, I'm always, in, in many ways, I'm controversial. People don't like my stance on things, you know, like on, uh, on politics. I don't mix politics with the church. I always tell everybody, it's if, you, if, you, if you're plumb with God, if you're leaning to the right, that means your foundation is wrong. If you're leaning to the left, that means it's wrong. You need to be kingdom, straight Godward. And then that way, you can affect change in the world. So I was thinking, thinking about it, and I, I'd written my prayer. Uh, I was thinking about our dear brother Henry who says, hey, you don't want to go out there, you know, uh, uh, you know, just shooting from the hip when you're out there. And so I was thinking about him, and I, I, I wrote my prayer out, and I was wondering, now, now, I've got Jesus in here a lot. Uh, and I started to feel, okay, God, are they going to attack me if I do that? What do I do? Oh, I told the church that if they don't do it, I'll call them up on the carpet. Somebody remembers that. And so, of course, being the person I am, I didn't have to pray in the name of Jesus because there's no other praying except in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, there's no praying. You're just calling words. Now, now, um, in, 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 the, in this particular narrative, John is giving us, he's showing us some things about Jesus that I think would make us a lot better, make us a lot better. In, in, in verse 14, he says, Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. So Jesus was not afraid of what they could do to him. Jesus' concern was always doing what God wanted him to do. That should be your concern today. Okay, it's not, my concern is not what people will think about me because I want to keep everything kingdom. I want to keep everything Jesus because it doesn't matter what they think about me. What matters at the end is the one who's going to judge. I'm concerned about Jesus. He says that many who are saying, Lord, Lord, will not enter. He said, the kingdom of heaven. He will say to many who have said, Lord, Lord. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. I don't want that to be said about me. I don't want that to be said about you. And so verse 15 says, and the Jews marveled, saying, how did this man know letters having never studied? See, Jesus was, was, he was teaching in a way that nobody had ever taught. That ought to tell you something. His brothers should have known that. He was, he was performing miracles that no one had ever performed. That should have said something. And, and so the, the, the Jewish leaders now are saying, how does this man know letters, having never studied? This man has never been a rabbinical student, he, a, a, a student of one of the great rabbis. He has never followed uh, the, uh, all of these people that we're following. How does he know? Well, that should have said something to you. That you should have said, da-da. You know, he is bringing deep revelation from the scriptures that we never even considered. And you don't know where he's from? I love the man. And I, I let me go quickly. Oh, did somebody speed the clock up? Let me go quickly to chapter 9. You remember the story of the, the blind man who was healed and uh, the 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 Sanhedrin brought him before the, the council, and they were asking him, how, how did he get his sight? And he, he told them, you know, he said, this, this man uh, told me to go, uh, he anointed my eyes with clay. He said, go wash, I wash, and I see. I mean, and it's like, ah, this man, he, he's, he's not of God. Um, this man is a deceiver. Um, uh, it, uh, what did happen to you? 
And they kept telling them, like, tell them, tell them again. And they go, ah, uh, we're Moses' disciple. We know where Moses came from. But we don't know where this man came from. So the little blind man, you know, just got his sight, he said. He said, wow, that, that's shocking. You know that the man opened my eyes blind from birth. I never even had eyes before, as it were. No, 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 no ability to see. And he opened my eyes. He caused me to see. And you don't know where he's come from. So that's the same thing with all of us. You know, we, 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 I, I love science. I, I believe in science, but I believe in God. I do. I believe in God. And I, I believe that, that there could very well have been a big, uh, bang. You know, you may say, well, you do? Yeah, I do. I think there could have been a big bang. The booming voice of God saying, let there be. I believe that. I don't think that there's a bang. If there were a bang without God, then the bang is God. That's how I think. And so let us believe. We, we don't have to fight science. All good science recognizes God because it has its origin in God. Let me hurry. Jesus said to to them, they they wanted to know, how well you know these things. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. That just blows your mind. Nobody on earth, nobody in the the Jewish religion, in Judaism, taught like he did, but yet he's teaching their scriptures better than any of the, anyone has ever taught them. And he said, my doctrine is not mine, but it belongs to the one who sent me. They should have sat, fallen on their faces, faces and said, Yahweh. But they didn't. Pride and arrogance kept them from doing it. He says, if anyone wills, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. If you really have a heart for God, you will know the doctrine. We're living in a day when people say, well, I don't know what to believe. Yeah, you can know. If you, if you will to do his will, you will know who's speaking truth and who's not. That's what God says. So where is our safety net? My safety net is the word of God. Jesus goes on to say, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. And then what Jesus is showing us here is that he was not seeking his own glory. If he had been seeking his own glory, he would talk about himself. But no, he is a messenger to the world. His father sent him so so he says, I'm not speaking of myself. Do you have a, a, in your memory somebody who spoke of their own accord in the Bible? You know, what was his name? Lucifer? Remember? He spoke of his own, uh, own, uh, own authority. He spoke of his own accord. Because as Jesus says that when he speaks, he speaks from his own what? Resources. He doesn't speak from God's resources. He speaks from his own resources. That, that's why whenever the devil talks, He's lying. I've heard people say things like, well, you know, the enemy was telling me such and such, and, and he was telling the truth. I said, no. He may have uttered a fact or two, but he was lying. Because you're not 
who he says you are. You're who God says you are. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a baptism in just a moment. But let me finish, let me finish my, 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 my uh, section here. Jesus said, verse 19 said to them as they were talking, he said, did not Moses give you the law? Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Mo, you know, so, so they're Moses' disciples. He said, and then he asked a question. Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? And that was their go-to. You know, have you ever seen people, you tell them the truth, and, and they're going to find out a way to, to avoid it? So these were the same people who John the Baptist came preaching. You know, he's a wild man. Now, some people can they take their Christianity tame. They want tame Christianity. You know, they want a wild man. John was wild. John wore a leather, uh, around a leather girdle and camel hair and ate terrible food, locusts and wild honey. Wild honey is good. But locusts and wild honey. And Je- Jesus said John did not come eating. Or he wasn't eating everything. And he didn't come drinking. But you said he had a demon. Anybody they didn't want to follow, didn't want to believe, they said, well, he has a demon. He's not of God. And that's, I see the same thing today. I see the same thing. We don't want to follow the truth, so we find something wrong with the truth. Let me say to you today, there's nothing wrong with the truth. So they said he had a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, he didn't answer them. We don't want to answer lies and untruth. He didn't answer them. Notice how Jesus comported himself. He's amazing. He is our guide. He is our example. He said, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If one, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. He, he says, Moses gave you the law, and not one of you keeps it. Here, he says, again, he says, but what you will do, they were straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. That's what religion will do for you. God didn't call us to become more religious. He called you to come to Jesus. He sent Jesus that Jesus would be your life. Eternal life is not a commodity somewhere over yonder. Eternal life is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. My last little point here. They were angry with Jesus because he made a man an impotent man, completely well. At the pool of Bethesda, he had been lame there. He couldn't walk. He had been always been lame. But that day, he met Jesus, and he made him well. And they got angry. They didn't mind circumcising one little body part. 
in the temple. But they got angry because the man was made completely whole. And that's what religion will do. It will cause you to be angry about things you ought to be happy about and happy about things you ought to be angry about. That's what religion will do for you. But let us not have religion. Let's have Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, thank you for those who are here. We bless them in the greatest name in the universe, the name of Jesus Christ.